Poland, in Romania, in other countries, the government can't feed them. They are at the mercy of their host country and the specific hosts within that country. So part of what we do as an expression of our love for God and our love for his children is that Bridges of Faith has been feeding 200 orphans every day, every every meal. And so you have been a part of that, and we're grateful. We're grateful beyond imagination. Secondly, we have helped not just orphan groups, but our friends and partners inside Ukraine to respond to this horrible situation. One of the cities that you've seen in the news is called Mykolaiv. It's down in the south. It's, um, it's a port city, shipbuilding city, and it's been being bombarded daily for a good chunk of this war. So several years ago, we had a group of kids from the orphanage in that city. The, the wife of the couple I'm going to tell you about, she's the orphanage director. Her husband came with her. In fact, their two children came with her when they brought their kids to Alabama. Well, you know, we always talk about orphans, but one of the spinoff benefits of this ministry is that we're able to speak the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to staff who care for these orphans and other people associated with them. So we brought the whole family, not because we needed them, but we wanted to say, we wanted not just to go and tell, but we wanted to say to them, come and see the goodness of the Lord. The husband at that time was quite the alcoholic. Not only was he drinking heavily all day, every day, but his delight was to try to entice other people on our Christian camp to come drink with him. Still like the guy. He's a really nice guy. Well, after he went back to Ukraine, and he credits this back to his trip to Alabama, he came to know the Lord. And he has not had, I mean, he's been completely delivered of this alcoholism for more than three years now. Not only that, but he developed community, a community organization to help the people in his city of Mykolaiv. Of course, none of us knew at that time how essential that network of volunteers would be because many of the people who could leave Mykolaiv and other parts of Ukraine, they did leave, people who had means, people who had strength, and here the people who are left in the city are the elderly, the vulnerable because of sickness, the vulnerable because they're children, the vulnerable are the ones who are left, And there's Zhenya. He's already got his community organization in place, and he is driving to other parts of Ukraine to gather up food, to gather up medicine, to gather up the essentials of this. He he has an area that he serves of about a population of about 5,000 in this area that he's serving every day. Well, Bridges of Faith bought him a van because his crummy little Russian car was groaning under the stress of doing these these trips. And so your support of us has helped us 
to provide him with a van, and then to regularly help provide him the fuel and other things he needs to care for these people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just so grateful of that. I can tell you lots of stories. Uh, I mean, we're shifting now, shifting part of our attention. The Ukrainian government is ready to begin bringing children back into Ukraine. The problem is the facilities aren't ready. Many of them have been damaged either directly by war or just through the abuse and things that have happened in the six months that have passed. And so we are helping to repair orphanages so that when these kids go back, they have a reasonable place to live. So we've already reworked the hot water system in one orphanage. We're putting, we are currently putting a roof on an orphanage in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I say as we do it, you guys are partners with us, and your hands are right there with us in Ukraine serving these children. Part of the reason that we do these natural things for, say, repairing orphanages, of course we want to help the kids' situation, but these things purchase for us the relational equity to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it allows us, it gives us favor with governments and with the orphanage directors to give us access to those kids. So I just want to say we are so grateful. I have a very particular prayer request before we move on to the next part of our presentation. There's a radiation oncologist actually here in Alabaster who is a close friend of mine, great believer, he, has, he approached me and said, Tom, if you run across an orphan with cancer, let's make a partnership. You bring those children here, and I will see that they get treated. So we've been poking around, you know, throwing out the invitation, looking. Have, haven't yet come across a child with cancer, but other people are emerging. So our first candidate, it's a lady in her 40s, two children. She has an inoperable brain tumor. Apart from a miracle, she's not going to live long. Chris says, the radiation oncologist, apart from, uh, he said, I can't cure her. No matter what, we don't have the technology. He said, at best, apart from God touching her, maybe five years. But five years with young children, it would mean a lot. And in the course of this, the husband is talking back. He and Chris have really connected. He and Chris are talking back and forth every day. The guy is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is is on his way. I'm sure the wife will be next. And we, of course, there are lots of snags to get the right kinds of documents for people to travel and to to get here for this kind of treatment. So we are in the middle of those snags right now and asking for your prayers that this young lady, her name is Hannah, that this young lady 
can get here, get treated, meet Jesus, and ultimately, we want God to just heal her. Is that okay? I mean, that's, our, that's what we want. We want God to just touch her and heal her. And then as we continue to explore in this area of ministry, we don't know where that's going. But I can tell you, I feel like the Lord is in this, and I feel like this may be something we do over and over and over again. And when I say we, I'm sorry, but you're in this with me. You've chosen to partner with us, so here we are. I I, I want you to pray with us and to ask the Lord to just direct us, open the right doors, close the wrong doors, and let us walk in his way. So really grateful for what the Lord is doing. In my office, there's this 12-volume commentary. It's called the Interpreter's Bible. You have the Interpreter's Bible? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a liberal thing. (laughs) But I've had it since seminary days. I've had it a long time. So when I was in those educational days, I had the opportunity to hear the general editor of this huge commentary speak. At that point, I mean, I was young, he was old. Artificial hip, artificial something else, real thick glasses, on a cane. I mean, he was old. So, I I, I hear him speak, and afterwards he asks his questions and answers, and there were several kind of appropriate questions. And then finally, there's a guy, it's all clergy, so you know there's going to be a problem. So there's a guy standing up in the back, and he says, Dr. Buttrick, what does it all mean anyway? And here's this guy who's a scholar of scholars, general editor of this huge Bible commentary, here feeble as he can be, stooped on his cane, and he looks up over his glasses, he's still shaking a little bit, and he says, sir, it means Jesus loves me. I'm a pianist, but I've never made peace with these things. I'm going to try to play it for you. And I'm going to try to play Jesus Loves Me.
I'd like to introduce to you a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, Lou and I have been friends since 1979. He is the, the guy who is, and I want you to hold him responsible for this, he's the guy who is probably the most re- responsible for my personal spiritual development. And I, I, I'm grateful for the encouragement, the strength that he's been to me over the years, and the friend that he's been. And I would like to introduce Lou Gosleth to you. He can tell you whatever else he wants you to know about his life. And uh, But I, I just commend him to you, and I, I know you'll enjoy hearing him speak. Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. We've already heard from heaven through the worship and through the testimonies and through the song. Yeah? I believe in impartation. So, yeah, my name is Lou Gosseth. I, I live in Kissimmee, Florida. Is it Kissimmee or Kissimmee? We say it's Kissimmee during the day and Kissimmee at night. <laughs> Been married 53 years, have four daughters, they're all married, everyone's serving Jesus. Very thankful, very grateful to it. But I want you to know I feel right at home here. As I sense the love of Jesus, his presence. And I do believe we have a word for you today. Uh, I'm a part of Bridges of Faith, and, and, uh, and it is such a privilege to be involved with seeing young people, children rescued, because it doesn't just touch their lives, it touches generations to come. I mean, who knows? Yeah? What God's going to, I mean, you have Josiah coming. Who knows who all his life's going to touch? I want to share with you this morning, with the Lord's help, um, I remember there's a first grade teacher, she Handed out at the end of the school year, children wrote little notes of appreciation to her, and so she collected them all and began reading them. And she got to one and started choking up, and she just said, "I, I just can't read this." And a real helpful first grader just yelled out, "Just sound it out!" <laughs> well, with the Lord's help this morning, I just want to sound out a few things to us. Uh, and for our text, would it be all right to have someone bring me, doesn't matter which one, just something that I could set this Bible on? Thank you. I just want to, uh, for the text, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Thank you, brother. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Declaring the end from the beginning, declaring, making known, just just bringing to light the end from the beginning. That word end in the Hebrew is akarit. And it's a, it's a picture word of someone rowing a boat. And it speaks of rowing a boat into our future. God speaks the end from the beginning. God makes some declarations in eternity. And you and I 
grow into that declaration sometimes. You're here with purpose. God's brought you out together with purpose. It's not just to enjoy each other and love each other, but there is far more that God is after, especially at this season. He's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Growing into the future. There are several words in the Greek that have to do with time. There's chronos. We, we get the word chronological. It's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, chronos. There's orios, which is a word we don't usually hear, but it, we get the word hour from it. And it's used interestingly in Acts, and, and it's translated beautiful. Remember the, the lame man sitting at the gate, beautiful? That word beautiful is orias. And what it really means is right time. That gate wasn't just beautiful because it was ornate. It was the right time gate. And it certainly was the right time for that man who was lame to be healed. Yep. Then there's kairos. Kairos means opportune time, but it's not a guaranteed time. Jesus says to Jerusalem, Oh, if you only knew who was here and what I could do for you, but you missed the time of your visitation. The Cairo, it was an opportune moment, right? But they missed it. Can you imagine that? The Pharisees who read the scriptures, knew the scripture, Jesus says, you think and then you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. You, they, they saw the scriptures, but they missed Jesus. There's a we used to minister in a place called Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada. I don't know if you know where that is. It's in the prairies of Canada. It's very flat. It's so flat, they say you can see your dog run away for three days. And, uh, and we got to minister there, and uh, a lady said, I can hardly wait to go home. It was a Friday night we were sharing, and she said, tomorrow I'm just going to read what the rabbis have to say. And I said, that's really good. But just remember, they missed Jesus. Yeah, but, but just remember, they missed Jesus. I'll just tell you this. We don't want to miss Jesus. He's the fulfillment of everything. that. And, and I see you have the Israeli flag there, and, and I noticed you, you talk about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, those are feasts that, unfortunately, much of the church doesn't know much about, but they are the feasts of the Lord. And they are crucial in God's timetable, God's timeline. So, Kairos, an opportune time. I believe God is bringing you and me into an opportune time right now. We're rowing into some of God's... God has made some decrees about you as a person, as a family, and as a congregation. He has made some decrees in eternity. And you are rowing into it. And when time intersects God's decree, when, when you come into that Kairos moment, it's not guaranteed. I mean, you might know, oh, there's something going on here, but you can miss what's going on. They miss Jesus. God himself walking on the earth, and they missed him. I mean, that, we don't want to miss him, right? There are five words in the Greek, the Prefix pro is the same as pre in English. 
And I just want to just bring out a couple of truths concerning that. So there's a word pro orizo. Uh, we get the word horizon from orizo, pro orizo. We translate it predestined. It's God destining something ahead of time. Pro orizo. It's something that unfortunately the church has fought over, predestination. But, but if we could just forget the doctrine for a moment and just think of it as God makes some decrees in eternity about us and we in time would row into them and it's an opportune time, but we could miss it. We could row right through it, but we don't want to miss it. It's when God reveals something to us about what's coming in the future. So Joseph would be an example. When he was about 17 years old, he had some dreams. Remember? He dreamed that there were 11 sheaves and his sheep, and these sheaves bowed down to him. Made his brothers so angry. He said, well, what do you think? We're all going to bow down to you? And then he had another dream. The sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to him. And, and he, being a young man and probably a little excited, foolishly probably shared it with his brothers and his mom and dad. But, but God was showing him what was to come. God mercifully didn't show him all the hard stuff he had to go through first, but God was showing him. Let me just say, God has given you guys promises, scriptures, maybe dreams, revelations, hopes of what you're trusting God for, yes? And some of us are a little older, and maybe we haven't come into it yet, but I'm just here to tell you, God is not a man that he should die. And I don't care what it looks like today. If God has given you a promise, then believe him for it, even if you're older. I mean, just think of Zechariah. You remember Zechariah, the, the Elizabeth's husband? It's his turn. The lot falls to him. He's an older man now. And he walks into the temple to, to do some ministry. And there's an angel in there. Well, no one told him there was an angel because he usually wasn't in there. And so he says, he says to Zechariah, Zechariah, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Now let me just ask you, do you think he just prayed this prayer the week before, God give me a son? No, he prayed that when he was a young man. By this time he'd moved on. He'd already, he'd already forgotten all about it. But God said to him through the angel, God has heard your prayers. And you are going to have a son. when it was almost impossible in the natural. But God couldn't do anything. And you are rowing, I believe, in coming months into some suddenlies of God. Things that looked impossible, things that you'd hoped for, things that you'd almost forgotten about. Are they possible? God is calling you to row into those things. Let me just say another thing to you. We're living, you, you mentioned, Pastor Timmy, about praying for our nation and that we're going through some hard things. We have heard a lot of teachings about being a local church, about being involved in the church. But you know, what we exhibit in the earth today as a church is far short of what God had in mind. Jesus never said, I will build my church the way we know it. He said, I will build my ecclesia. 
And ecclesia is way more than what we think of as church. Used in, the, in Bible times, ecclesia was a group when, when, say, Rome would conquer another nation. They would take a group of Romans and put them into that nation to exhibit what Rome really is like and to bring order and law into that area. The head of an ecclesia in those days was called an apostle. Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. It is a governing body. And I just want you to know, God is holding out to you an opportunity to become a, to recognize who you are in Christ and to be a governing body where when you pray, you make declarations that can change the course of this nation. Do you believe it? You can change the course of this nation as you pray in faith. It's our calling to be an ecclesia of God. So, God gives us dreams and visions. There's another word in the Hebrew code. The word is protasso. Protasso. And it means God putting a specific purpose or appointed time, appointed uh, something that he appoints ahead of time. A specific command for a specific purpose. This is God determines what what nation you're born in, what family you're born into. God declares, God determines that. It's not by accident who you're born and when you're born. Uh, Esther was born at the right time. Jacob had Joseph at the right time with a purpose. Purpose wasn't clear yet, that he was going to save a whole nation, right? I was born in Budapest, Hungary. And uh, into a pretty wealthy family. My father had a company. He also was an architect. He had his own firm. He also sang for the Budapest Opera, played the piano. Uh, we were well off. But my grandfather was a professor at the Mechanical School of Engineering in Budapest. And he was so well-known. He had a PhD in metallurgy. He was so well-known in industry and research that Woodrow Wilson invited him with some other European scientists to visit some of the northeast cities of the U.S., Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Detroit in particular. He and my, my grandmother had just been married. They were all excited. They're going to use this trip as part of their honeymoon. They got on a train in Budapest, went to England, but somehow the train got delayed. And by the time they got to England, the ship had already sailed. My grandmother cried for four days and nights until they heard the Titanic had sunk. That's how close I came to not being here today. But I'm telling you, God was watching out for me before I was even thought of by man. It's just like he's watched out for every one of us to bring us to this moment, to this time, to fulfill God's purposes at this hour. Do you believe that? God gives specific purpose. So he said, hey, that train's going to be late. I'm so thankful, my wife is thankful, my kids are thankful, my grandkids are thankful, and we could go on. Yeah? Protoss of God makes decrees in eternity, and you and I row into them. There's another word, etoimazo. I'm not trying to impress you. I don't know Greek. I just happen to know a few words here. But pro etoimazo, it means that God, God makes 
provision beforehand. And the word is used in Ephesians. It's a, it's a verse you're all familiar with. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no, that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, his poem, his poem. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Pro etoimazo. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared for every one of us beforehand certain gifts and callings and, and, and impartations to fulfill the specific good works that he's called me to and you to. That's why it's not wise to compare. Because there are specific... It's, he tailor-makes garments. Have you, ever, uh, you, have you ever bought a garment, say, in Walmart? Well, that's not tailor-made. That's just generic stuff. But have you ever had a tailor-made garment? I, I remember my wife and I visited Korea once, and someone said, if you ever get to Korea, be sure to go to this street and have a suit made well. We ended up on that street, and the last day we were there, a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, would you like to see? Well, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'll have it to your room by 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, Okay. So they take and they measure. They measure everything. They measure stuff you wish they didn't measure. They measure everything, but when they bring you a suit, let me tell you, it fits you perfectly. A tailor-made suit. Now, you could wear it, Tom could wear it, but it wouldn't fit him quite like it would fit me. God has tailor-made gifts for you to fulfill the good works that he's called you to do. God gave Joseph gifts, interpreting dreams. He was teaching him how to be a leader by putting him in Potiphar's house, by putting him in prison, preparing him for the day when he would save a whole nation. God's been working in your life and my life beforehand, decreeing it before the foundation of the world. Yeah? It's not wise to compare. I have a son-in-law, his name is Danny, and he was at Toronto, uh, a gathering, remember the Toronto Blessing, outpouring it. He visited there with a friend of his, and Heidi Baker happened to be the speaker. And the Lord said to him during that time, he said, you think, to Danny, he said, you think if I lost Heidi, I'd be more upset than if I lost you. And he thought about that for a minute and he said, well, yeah, yeah. So I, because, I mean, look what she's done. And look what I've done. And then he heard the Lord say, I would be just as upset if I lost you. We, we sung a few amazing songs this morning. We sing them, but we usually don't really believe what we're singing. How much God really loves me. That he's really set us free. That we walk in freedom. That grace is flowing. We sing it. In fact, someone said God tricks us into because we wouldn't believe it if we just said it. So God has us sing it, and we all sing it. But we need to believe what God says about us. Yeah? So, in that meeting, Jen Arnott said, look, we haven't prayed about teeth for a long time. Let God, we'll just heal some teeth. He said, now check each other's mouths. 
So Danny is with his friend Chad. He says, so, so Chad, look, do you see anything? And Chad says, no, except for that one filling in the back of your mouth, silver filling. Danny says, I don't have any fillings. I've never went to the dentist. I've never had a filling. He says, yeah, that silver filling, go check it out. So he runs to the bathroom, looks, and sure enough, there's a silver filling in his mouth. So he goes back to Chad, because what happened, just, just sitting two seats over, somebody checked this lady's mouth, and she said, I just got a gold filling. I've never had a gold filling. So, so Chad says, well, look at my mouth. Danny looks and says, nope. So Chad says, yeah, except all my silver fillings that I have on both sides. Nope, they're all white. No, but I have some silver. They're all white. Go check it out. He runs to the bathroom, looks, and sure enough, God turned all the silver fillings white. God caused Danny to have a filling that he otherwise he wouldn't have even known that God touched him. And God said, I'm, God was proving that he loves Danny as much as he does anyone and demonstrated it. I just want you to know God loves you. And you heard it in the song this morning. I told Tom, when you play, there's going to be an impartation. And I believe there is an impartation into our lives today to know how much he really loves us. Yeah? Tailor-making garments to do the good works that he's called us to do. There's another word, katartizo, and it means to be rightly aligned with people. God beforehand determines who you're going to be aligned with. So in Joseph's life, listen, he needed a father that treated him like a favorite. Joseph needed brothers that didn't like him. Joseph's needed, Joseph needed a Potiphar. Joseph needed a Potiphar's wife. Joseph needed a jailer. He needed a butler and a baker and a pharaoh in his life to fulfill God's purposes. Yeah? Some of those things weren't pleasant. In fact, almost every year, in the natural, Joseph looked like he was getting further and further from the, any possibility of fulfillment of the dreams that he had had when he was young, right? Not only is he all of a sudden thrown into a pit by his brothers, but then he finds himself in Potiphar's house, I call it the pot, and then he finds himself in the pen. He goes from the pit to the pot to the pen, and in Egypt... Who even knows he's in prison? But God had a plan. And through it all, Joseph is rowing into his future and hitting the, and the declarations, the decrees that God has made in eternity. He rose into them in time to fulfill God's destiny for his life. Being involved with the bridges of faith. We don't know. I mean, God's given Tom some dreams. And sometimes they probably look pretty impossible. And almost, how can God ever do it? But in the midst of it, God gave you even greater dreams. And God connects you with people like this. And God brings all of you together with purpose. I'm just telling you, we are here in one of the most amazing moments of history that we could be in. God is giving us the privilege of seeing some amazing fulfillments in our lifetime. 
of seeing this nation turn back to God. Do you believe God can do that? It looks so impossible, but God can do it if we'll just pray and believe and see some breakthroughs. Yeah? Being rightly aligned with the right purposes. So you say, well, I decide I like this church. Well, it might be a little more than just that. You might be here for more than just because you like everybody and they're so nice. It might be God's brought you together for such a time as this. To see this region transformed. To see your state transformed. I remember back in uh, during the Depression, some men decided to get together to do some praying. Now, it cost them something because to, to take a day off from work, it, it was difficult, but they just felt God quicken it to their hearts. And they began to pray, Lord, do something that will affect our church. And then as they prayed through the day, they started, Lord, do something that will affect our city. They lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. And as they continued praying, and our faith rose. And by, Lord, do something that would affect our state. And by evening, Lord, do something that would affect our country and then the world. Quite a lot, a jump, yeah? Six months later, one of their sons got saved. His name, Billy Graham. That prayer meeting, God answered it. And Billy Graham certainly, God used him to touch the world, yeah? I'm just telling you, you don't know how God's going to yet use you here. But I'm declaring to you that God brought you guys here to pastor, to shepherd this flock. God brought you guys here to be a part of this flock. And God has tremendous purposes for you yet that you're not even totally aware of, perhaps, unless God gave you a dream when you were 17. Is that all right? The last word is prothesis. A thesis that declares how things work. Prothesis, God beforehand declaring how things are going to work. And we get, we, uh, from that prothesis, we get a word prosthesis from it. It's when you lose a limb and you get a prosthesis. The idea is that even in the midst of crisis, God has answers. How many of you like miracles? How many of you know you can't have a miracle without a problem? How many of you like problems? None of us like problems. We all like miracles, but we're going along. We're going along. Everything's great. And then you hit a whirlpool. Whoa! What's going on? What's going on? And you're in a whirlpool. How am I ever going to get out of this? But God already, before the foundation of the world, has made provision for it. Well, an example, the biggest example is God made us in his image and likeness. He wanted mankind. He wanted to share who he is with us. But he knew that Adam and Eve were going to mess it up. But he already made provision for it. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. For that, right? Isn't that good? God makes provision even when we're rowing into crisis. So when, when Joseph finds himself in the pit, God already had provision. 
to bring the Midianites along. When God, he's in Potiphar's house, everything's great, kind of great. And then there's this Mrs. Potiphar. And she, anyway, you know the story. And he gets thrown into prison. Into prison. But you know what? Joseph had to learn how to treat and, and rule in prison. Because if you could do that, you could run a country. And then, and then the baker and the butler. Yeah? And Joseph says, listen to the butler. Now when you, when you come back to Pharaoh, just tell him I didn't do it. Just tell him I'm innocent and I'm down here. And what happened? A couple of more years go by. Because the guy forgot. How could he forget? Well, you know what? He had to forget. Because if Joseph would have been set free, they didn't have cell phones in those days. They couldn't just say, oh, just call him up. We need him. Who knows where he would have been. So he had to be there. But God didn't show that to him, right? See, when you're going, you and I are going through our things, we don't see it necessarily. But God will make a way to bring us out. So I just want to encourage you with one last verse. I don't know if you're familiar with the Passion Bible, Passion Translation, but um, Psalm 139, verses 4 and 5, this is what it says. Listen. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. That's encouraging to me. Because I have some past. None of you probably have a past because you're all perfect. But, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful he's not only gone into my future to make a way, but he in his kindness has gone behind me to spare me from my past. Is that not good? That is some good news right there. With, the, with your hand of love upon my life, you impact, impart a blessing to me. I was talking to my wife, Thelma, and she says, I've been praying for you this morning, and I felt God wanted you to impart a Father's blessing to the people. I didn't even realize that verse ended that day. And so I just want to bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. As you row into your future, when you row, when you row a boat, you're looking into your past, but you're rowing into your future. You are rowing into some divine, determined moments. Kairos, opportune moments. I'm telling you something. He's brought you together with purpose. We are living in probably one of the most crucial times of history in this nation, at least. We need God to intervene. Or we're really in trouble. But God not only can, but I believe he wants to. And he's called you to be that ecclesia, that, that governing body that by faith you will see some things prayed through. 
and see some things broken and see some things established. You do that through, through prophetic prayer. You do that through divine declarations. You do that through impartation. However God's chosen, go and pray on site somewhere. God can do it. Yes? So, Father, I thank you for your body. I thank you for the privilege of being here, for what you're doing. We've already prayed for Ukraine, and, and uh, that's not a lost cause for you, Lord. You can just astound the world through what you do there, but also in America. And I pray a blessing upon us as your people here that we would receive from your hand what we need and that when we grow into some of your divine decrees from eternity, the end from the beginning, that, Lord, we would not miss it, but that we would fulfill all the things that you've ordained for us in this hour. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.